podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommy's on Anfield Index. I'm Jim Boardman and I'm with Jay Reed and we're recording this just as um just just before Liverpool play Bournemouth, but whether we'll get time to talk about that or not, I don't know, because there's been so much happened since we were last on air. Um most of it involving missing out on transfers, but then finally getting one as well as playing a game and finding the the uh, main stand people building that have gone into administration. So as we, we, we say this all the time, like there's, there's times when we think, what are we going to talk about next week? And then all of a sudden everything happens. That's what it's like with this club. But Jay, um, I think maybe start off with, I don't know, let's just sort of get these two plays we missed out on out of the way because one of them we've been chasing all summer and putting bids in that were just a little bit more and a little bit more, but never up to the asking price. But the exact opposite to what we did with the other player, where we just went out and smashed the highest bid that club had received for him. You know, I think it was 115 did we put in in the end. Um, lost out on two players. And then today we've, we've, we've gone and spent, well, confirmed that we spent a fraction of that amount of money bringing in someone else. But, um, a lot of people have slagged Liverpool off because of the way they went after these midfielders and lost out on them. I'm not happy with the way we sort of spent ages trying to just up the price a little bit for one of them. But fair enough, if we had our limit, we had our limit. But I'm not convinced it's our fault that we missed out on the other one. I think it feels like, you know, it's been it's been on the cards from, from the beginning. And in a way, we just fell for a bit of a, a scam. It almost feels like that he was interested in us when really it was just a way to get Chelsea to get their hands in the pocket. Yeah, um, I think the, the Lavia situation does look like a bit of a PR disaster in terms of, you know, we we didn't we clearly didn't want to pay the fifty, and I think we've said like for weeks, haven't we? It's fifty was the price quoted by Southampton. They were adamant they were going to get fifty in the end. They got fifty and a bit more from Chelsea um, because Chelsea can't seem to count when it comes to transfer fees, <laughs> um, but it. It was it was a bit of a mess, and in the end, you you sort of on one hand you're like, well, did we actually want him? Because why did we piss about for so long and like trying to up our bid by a million quid here and there, and sort of like playing the very long negotiating game? And when push comes to shove, if it was genuine, and we did bid over the the asking price at the last minute in a, in a last ditch attempt to try and get him, and then he turned us down. Like it looks stupid on our behalf, but at the same time, this lad's been sat there, rumoured, you know, to be very interested in the move towards for for weeks, and we've not sort of stumped up the cash. And then when Chelsea did, you know, he's gone there, and you, you can't really blame him in that essence of, you know, Chelsea showing an interest and said, right, well, yeah, we do want you, sort of thing, like publicly and said it, and you know, stumped up the money whether where that money's coming from and how it's paid and whatever is, is, is up for debate. But, you know, they they confirmed their interest and put the money where the mouth is sort of thing. And, you know, he's gone there and we've missed out. Um, and that looks looks silly, like sort of leaves us with egg on our face. But whether that's the right career move for them, time will tell. Um, you know, a lot of players, you know, normally look at one in our team who's been our greatest player for the last few years have gone there. And, it's all sort of come tumbling down and they ended up having to go somewhere else in search of revitalising the career because, you know, it's not all it's made up to be down in West London. Um, and then with the with the Caicedo one, it was, you know, it was, what, 24 hours of madness in terms of, I think we said last week, that 
the bid going in and being accepted and we were the only one who actually hadn't been accepted by Brighton and then yeah, it, it did seem like we were being played um, by the agents basically who have been quoted by many people to be in quotation marks an arsehole and trouble um, <laughs> but he he played us basically um, he probably got a fat paycheck off Chelsea Brighton got more than what they bargained for at the start of summer in terms of the price fee for Caicedo Um good luck to him is all you can say you know what I mean he's going to a club that's hardly the most settled um, and yeah you know we've missed out on them realistically hand on heart you know 10 days ago Caicedo was never on, on our radar in terms of what most fans thought we could get so it was sort of a you know a what do you call it like a one night stand sort of romance sort of thing a holiday romance or something like that where like it was all, ooh, yes, let, let's let's have a look at this lad. He might be yeah. ours. And then, you know, the reality stuff that actually it's, it's not going to happen. So let's just move on and get on with our our business. And as it's turned out, we've got Neva, um, but we have got some other fella who, again, <laughs> I think it broke. We, we are recording Friday. So it was, was it Wednesday night or something like that? Um, yeah. That there was a there was a flight coming in from Stuttgart and it was this fella and apparently we've agreed a fee and it was all a bit bit old school you know like somebody we've not heard of not really mentioned on anybody's radar not one nominal ITK or you know person of Liverpool interest or connections had this fella's name on the lips at all and out the blue you know stealthy us bring him in and. Yeah, he, I confess I've never even heard from him in my life, um, so I'm not even going to pretend to know what he is, but people who do watch German football on a more regular basis, people who are more knowledgeable about that league, um, I've only got glowing praise for him, and by all accounts, he ticks a lot of the boxes in terms of work rate, good engine, very, very good injury record. I think he's missed two games in four seasons at Stuttgart, um, the, the fans of Stuttgart speak about him in such high regard and he was their captain and he's the captain of Japan and we've seemed to have a that thing running through our squad where we do recruit leaders or players who have leadership records at the club you know like we've got national captains as well as former club captains so you know that the whole sort of storyline about you know, we, we let Henderson go, we let Milner go and the leadership sort of being lost in the dressing room. Well, we've sort of recovered a little bit of that back and it might not be such a big issue because, you know, th- this is a fellow with experience and it's what we sort of need in that midfield and the game on Sunday showed that. But yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a positive sign that we have got one over the line. Is it what we need? No, because we need more, but... You know, I think there's still two weeks or something like that, the window left. So we, we see where we are in two weeks' time. Yeah, because if you say, I mean, the, the fee that's being quoted is 19 million euros about, which is also about 16 million quid in English money, um, which means that roughly speaking, there's about 100 million left to spend. If the stuff we were going for last weekend is anything to go by, which it probably isn't. Um, I had a theory, actually, that John Henry came over at the weekend to get the credit card back because he was really annoyed and then like it's like someone's left the kids with the credit card you know and said oh do you sell pizza lads and then they, they've come back and they've ordered like ps5s and everything so um that's why i reckon he was he was back just to get the credit card back and this and this does feel more like an fsg kind of signing except for the age and that's one of the things that was quite interested in because um he's 30 and you know you can probably guarantee that we're not going to get a transfer fee for him in the future if he stays and, and completes the full four year of his contract. He'll be thirty four by then. So I reckon we kinda of, we've kinda of signed him thinking, um, you know, we're paying for him for four years, whatever the wages are, whatever the fee is, and we've got a decent player here who can get us through. And um experience again, as you mentioned, as we've said before as well, that was that was a worry. It's not so much just the leadership, it's that just that experience, the older heads and things of, of players who just a sort of, you know, it all sort of compliments the younger players and what, what they've got. And it gives us some breathing space. 
not enough, as you say, but um, I mean, what Klopp said about him in the press conference was, I'm really happy. Wataru is a really good player. I know in this world of football how it goes and stuff like this, but have a look, have a look, because he's a really good player. Experienced player, captain of Stuttgart, captain of Japan, speaks good English, nice fella, family man, machine on the pitch. Good footballer on top of that, sensational attitude. So I'm really happy he's a good footballer. Very experienced and loves to work extremely hard. And I think that last bit, um, that last bit is so important that you've got to be able to work hard to play for this club. And I think that's not just something that's come about since we've sort of had all the Gagan press and all the sort of, you know, Andy Robertson unable to play for us for a while until we'd got him up to speed, all that kind of stuff. But I've always thought that at Anfield that uh, you go to a game and you can have some of the most skillful players in the world, but if they're not putting their, their own shift and if they're not playing to the best of their abilities and putting all the effort in they can, they'll get more abuse than a player who maybe technically speaking has had less of an impact on a game, but has tried, you know, worked his ass off for 90 minutes. That is the player that, that the couple recognise far more than some flamboyant player who just plays like he can't be asked. And I think that's something I'm sort of, you know, in a way, glad that we didn't get those other two players because they've had a chance to think about coming to us. I think one of them's probably been a Chelsea fan all his life, so fair enough. The other one, not sure why you went there, but um if the heart's not in it, I don't want him, you know, and I think by the sounds of it, this guy couldn't get over here quick enough. Um I'm not sure, um, you know, I'm not sure how long it'll take him to get up to the speed we need, and that's a bit of a worry as well. Because um, if we look back to last weekend, um played Chelsea 1-1, there was some of the old stuff coming back to haunt us where we kind of had control of the game and then sort of let it slip because we sort of almost like went into relaxation mode. There was parts of that game where I thought we were just, um, we were just sort of, we had so many attacking players on the pitch, you know, so, so many attack minded players and we were just sitting back waiting to be attacked. And the play we were missing perhaps more than anything was someone just to play, you know, naturally. As a defensive midfielder, it felt to me that that was something that was missing. Although it was, you know, there's a lot of stuff being said about it. We weren't, you know, I don't think McAllis is that bad at playing there, you know, but what we don't want is to have plays like that. You know, we want to get the most out of the plays we've got, don't we? You know, we don't want McAllis to play in there because that's not the best use of him. Um, so I don't know whether this lad's going to get into the team quickly, whether he's got a lot of work to do to get up to speed, but, um, it's clear we need someone and it's, it's, I mean, that Chelsea game was, was a sign of it, I think, wasn't it? Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I think in that game, had either side of the, you know, a competent defensive midfielder, they win the game. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was basically both both sides went out there and basically put a big circle in the middle of the pitch and said, "This is where we haven't got a player, um, and we're just going to try and botch it." And you know, it wasn't necessarily a game of two halves, but I think the first thirty minutes or so for us um, was very positive. That you know, we we were doing all the things we'd seen in preseason attacking wise. Um, and we were we were looking pretty solid at the back, but then we were doing all the things we seen in the in preseason defensive wise. Yeah. Just after that, where we were, you know, we were we were so open. He was he was acres of space for players like Sterling, who's not really had much of a career at Chelsea to to look like you know the the Man City Sterling of you know 2019, 2020 sort of thing, and it was it was just basically it was a game sat there for anyone who had the, the nous in midfield to sort of take the game by the scruff of the neck and, you know, settle it down and, and wrestle it from the other team and, and and ensure that their team could dig out a victory. And, you know, unfortunately it wasn't to be. I think that the game hinged for me on 
the second uh, goal for us that would disallow the, the, the most Salah one, which was, well, first of all, you know, Manchester's own Anthony Taylor, who had a nightmare on the day, and whoever his friend was on VAR, trying to draw VAR lines initially from the wrong defender. Um, you're basically banging me head against the wall for 45 seconds while we were looking at the same images. And then, you know, he was offside ever so slightly just, but that moment in the game, you know, we were potentially going up 2-0. We were well on top. We created, I think, three or four good chances. Um, we could have been more ahead had we, you know, been a little bit more clinical in front of goal. But I think so, someone referenced on a podcast, it was... It was like missing a penalty and having that goal ruled out and the momentum literally flipped and within, what, two minutes or something like that, Chelsea down the other end and within five minutes or something like that, Chelsea have, have equalised and and they were on top and they then had a goal um, ruled out for offside, rightly so, but the momentum swing from that 1-0 that could have potentially been 2-0 to then being you know, one all within a few minutes and potentially 2-1 down, it really knocked the stuff out of us, and we were, you know, we were like a boxer looking for the for the corner, waiting for the towel to come in, or waiting for the belt to go, so we could sit down and compose ourselves. And we never actually recovered from that. It was a very, very much a body blow. Um, if you if you carry on referencing the boxing theme, but it, it sort of then, you know, meandered along in the second half, and I suppose you know, I had gone to the judges, it would have been given a draw on points, but. Mm. Um, we are where we are and I think in the grand scheme of things if you look back at that result maybe in two or three months time when Chelsea will be a better team you know they've actually got a manager in this season rather than someone impersonating a manager or a fellow who actually isn't ready for that level in, in Graham Potter um, it'll probably look like a good point and anytime you go to one of the again quotation marks big clubs away from home you ideally don't want to lose so to come away from the bridge with a point, um, you know, isn't necessarily a bad thing. And we move on to this weekend. It's just frustrating that we could have potentially had that game sewn up in the first 30, 45 minutes or something like that. I'd be put our chances away. But yeah, um, you know, the, the old cliche of game at a time is basically what we've got to go for. And we're not the finished article. So, you know, we, we take our medicine and we, and we move on to this weekend. Yeah, and I think um, it, it's sort of frustrating when you see the circumstances of us not coming away with three points because we we were in control for half an hour and it did feel like, I mean, it, it's a good way, a good analogy that it was like uh, missing a penalty. We did have this sort of, you go from one minute thinking you've got this in the bag, you're hammering them here, it's already 2-0, to so suddenly it's only 1-0 and being down and despondent and, <clears throat> and that, that I find that is the frustrating thing because I think Liverpool are usually better at reacting to situations than that but it just did seem to be that at that point almost like heads went down and we forgot we were winning and um you know sort of you don't just want to hang on to your win you want to sort of build it I mean I don't know it just felt I don't know I'm going to put it down to rustiness start of the season rustiness and you know there's plenty to learn from that I'm sure and I just hope we do learn from it. And I think, it, I mean, that was a hell of a fix just to start off with as well. You know, you look at, um, some of the other teams and some of the, some of the, you've got to play these teams at some point, but, um, their, their you know, their league position last season maybe made it more likely we'd play them so early on this season and our league position perhaps. But, um, you know, you normally like to see these games sort of held off a bit. You know, you, you need a bit of time to get into a season before you play the, um, what we used to call the top six. I'm not sure you can call it that nowadays. There's that many, but, um, yeah, that was my frustration with it. And, um, VAR, everyone's going on about VAR, but I don't think the VAR particularly got anything wrong with those two. But of course we had that referee, didn't we? Um, our mate from Manchester. Um, and I had a few people, I sort of tweeted about it, and I had a few people who, who support other clubs just saying that, you know, they have the same kind of problem with him. And I think that's probably true. We just know what he's in because he's an awful referee and he's from Manchester. And you do start to wonder, is it because he's from Manchester he's so bad? Um, and I don't know, I don't know. I feel like we're going, we're going to have another season of this, aren't we? Where we're asking, why are the referees so bad? What's going to be done about it? And, nothing ever gets done you know we all complain but yet 
to this day, you never see any action from Mike Riley or, or whoever um, to say, right, that's it, enough's enough. We're going to start sorting this out. We're going to start penalising them. We're going to speak to clubs and fans and see what they think's wrong and, you know, just, just you know, communicate. And again, I don't know. I hope another season's not going to be talking about referees too much. It, it just seems like, you know, with the, the, the same... Same old story, isn't it? Like the the referees who are usually in the headlines are the ones who are in the headlines on a regular basis. Mm. Um, and yeah, like it's it doesn't seem to ever change in terms of of what you get. Um, at the moment, sometime I'm literally just looking for who we've got this weekend, and it's some fella called Chris Brammel, I think his name is Thomas Brammel. Okay, um, so. I'm guessing he's one that's being promoted through the system. Um, and while I, while I fill time, I'm just going to have a look at where this fella is actually from. Um, because, because that is also, you know, a clue on, oh. you know, where the referee come through the system. Um, he's 33 years of age. I don't know And you're going to disappoint me while I find it myself. Um, the one you'll have to put me out in misery because of the only one I've come up with is stats. Oh yeah, well according to Wikipedia, so it could be wrong. Thomas Bramall is an English Association football referee from Sheffield. Um, right. You know, and there are some great people in Sheffield, but you can't help but feel at times there is also a lot of people in Sheffield who've got animosity towards us. So I don't know. I might be reading too much into that, but um, yeah. But we we do have you know even if this fellow is. It's legitimately half decent because you know that that's the best you're going to get with referees, aren't you? These days, um, our good old friend Mr. Taney is on VAR, so you know let's just hope the game against Bournemouth goes off with no sort of instance that involves that fella actually getting his fingers on a keyboard and a microphone and actually you know in the way of Mr. Bramall and influencing him with his questionable ways. I think is probably the best way to describe him. I think um, I've not watched loads of the Women's World Cup because I've generally been working when it's on. Otherwise, I would have watched more of it. Um, I've tried. To, I've watched bits and pieces and things if it's been on over lunchtime and stuff. And um, and also, I don't just kind of go and watch five minutes of it because you know what it's like. You'll go and just watch it for five minutes, and then an hour and a half later, you're still there watching it. Um, it's, I, I thought it's been quite good, but one innovation, if you like, on that with the refs, isn't it? Where if there's a VAR decision, I'm not sure it really adds much, but the referee the microphone for the ref gets switched on to the whole, so the whole stadium can hear. And they'll say, you know, no goal, goal kick, whatever, it was a foul, whatever. You know, they'll just give some very basic um, description of what the decision is, which I think is good because at least we kind of hear from them a little bit. But I don't, I'm not sure it does much more than what we get anyway when we get this stuff up on scoreboards that says much the same. But it's a start, isn't it? You know, at least, at least having the referee's voice heard by the whole stadium. Um, it would be good. I, maybe I did see that in one more. game actually. Yeah, where the is it? I've not seen much of the women's World Cup. I'll, I'll, I'll confess, like the times don't help. It's on a yeah. you know very early in the morning or you know mid morning sort of time when things are happening, whatever in your in your day. But I did see one game where the referee, I think it was in England, a penalty was given against them, and it was you know it, sort of similar to what the NFL do where. If there's a video review, the referee sort of then stands in a position where you know the camera's on them, and they announce via microphone to the, yeah. to the whole stadium. And I'm all for that. If you know, if if you're fortunate enough to go to a game, um, and and be be there, and, and there's a decision for VAR, you know, God re- God bless them. But George Sefton is tends to be about 20, 30 seconds behind on the best of times in terms of his announcements. You know, there'd be VAR review, load of silence, you know, it could be two minutes. And then, you know, the decision flashes up on the, on the mini scoreboards that we've got, like, at ends of the ground. And then the game will continue. But we don't know why, whether, the, you know, it was a penalty given, a penalty not given. You know, the only one we no. can sort of get is, like, he was offside or onside, but if it was like a penalty decision, we don't know why or it was or was not given. And then George will tend to just say, penalty, 
not given VAR penalty given something like that for yeah for, you know for the for the process. But it would be good if it was you know explained to us like we look back on Sunday. You know the the handball. I think it was Jackson um, oh, yeah. for Chelsea, and you know it was a it was a contentious one. Some people will say you know it hit his hand and and the ball hitting the hand in the box. You know should be a penalty because that's what some people will deem a penalty and you know obviously these referees or this referee in, at that time he was on VAR sort of said his hand was close to his body but what was very strange was he didn't advise Mr Taylor to go to the screen and make no, his I own mind that. up yeah. and you know what is the point of having the screen if if that's the you know as a need and was it for me, the referee on VAR, I don't know who it was last weekend, and Anthony Taylor is deemed the top ref in the country. How dare he question Anthony Taylor? Yeah. So therefore, let's just go with the decision that the referee made on the on the pitch. And no way could Anthony Taylor see that in amongst the amount of bodies and the speed that the corner was whipped in to make an actual decision. I think he's just sort of gone with, mm, maybe it is his chest because that's what Jackson was pleading. But go and have a look. That's what it's there for. That's all we're asking for, and um, you know it, it's it's a kick in the teeth again. It could have you know potentially swung the game momentum wise the way, but once again we we find ourselves in a situation where we're talking about referees, and you know we're only one game into the season, and it doesn't bode well for the next thirty seven games or whatever we've got left in the league. Yeah, I mean I think if the VAR, I mean the the VAR effort looks and gone, no, it's not even hit him on the hand, they hit him on the shoulder because that happens loads. You think it's handball? I mean, it must happen every half an hour, every five minutes at Goodison. These shouts of handball you get there, but you know something hits someone in the chest and you weren't sure if it was a handball, or just hits them, you know, on the ribs and you weren't sure if it was a handball. Referee uh, replay comes up when you're watching on TV. You can see quite clearly it didn't touch the hands. No point in getting the ref to go and look at the screen for that unless he's said it was handball obviously play on but if it has hit the hand then surely that's the referee's then decision to say well let me have a look at that and I'll decide whether it, it was a foul or not whether it was a penalty or not and I think you know I think that it's only a slight difference in that sense that you know it, it's not down to the VAR man as good as you might think he is to sort of say this is my you know he shouldn't be taking his interpretation of it he should be more dealing in facts and the fact is it hit that player on the hand ref go and have a look see what you think of it um you know there, there's no need to, for the ref to go and look at the screen for an offside because you can sort of show that with your fancy lines that don't really seem to work very well but yeah again as you say ref, um referees 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 there's just something about that about taylor that he just seems intent on being a talking point in every game we get him in um you know I don't know what it is. No matter how exciting or, or or boring a game is, you just seem to think there's always going to be a mention for him. If you went through all our match reports where he's been the referee, I bet you there's a mention of him somewhere with some questionable decision. It's just just something about him. Um, and the other other thing as well with the World Cup, the Women's World Cup, is um, I just want to say it's a bit weird saying this about England, but I want to wish the women's team well. On, uh, on Sunday in the final because I don't know what it is there just seems to be a different kind of feel about them to the men's England team um, don't know I don't know what it is whether they've come from a less you know they, they've obviously come they, they've been I mean the FA pushed women into the wilderness years ago they said that you couldn't play a game of football at all if you ever allowed women to play on your pitch lots of um, members of the league and the, and the football association they weren't allowed um, to have any game involving women and if they did they'd be banned so they couldn't even have like ground sharing and so there was all kinds of stuff put in place so obviously the women's game was well behind the men's game and I still Can I think, just pick up on something you've yeah, just said? Yeah go on You've referenced them as England women Yeah and I I've got a real bugbear with them constantly being called the lionesses because yeah. they're England women. Yeah. Like it it's really annoying to hear like called oh, the lionesses this like no 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 the England women. And we've been, you know, very open in the fact that we're not England fans mm-hmm. of especially the men's game especially. Um and um I'd confess I don't really watch much of the women's football, but I have you know, sort of kept an eye on the results and seeing how they did. And I seen like the penalty shootout. I think it was um, Sweden or Colombia 
I can't remember. Um, they had a penalty shootout, or Nigeria possibly. Can't remember. They, can't they, they sort of played these games um, in in the past week or two, but it's a real bugbear to hear them refer to as the lionesses and I'm sure themselves you know the the promoting women's football and they represent England you don't hear England women cricketers referred to in some sort of tagline and you don't hear the men's England team referred to as the lions the lions is the rugby union collective yeah you know let let let's have this right they should be should be proud to represent England for what they are, the women's professional footballers, and it, it, it is a bugbear to hear them referred to as that. So, I, I, I honestly couldn't care what the outcome is, but the way they've come through the game and what the struggles they've had to go to, you would wish them more well, you know, than than the men's team because it, it means more to them. They're not mercenaries, basically. The you know some of them have had to work part time jobs for the majority of the playing career up until very recently. So. Yeah, if they if they do well, I'm sure they'll be well received. But can they please just call them England women and not the lionesses? Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. I know, and that's the thing, if they win. I mean, that's, that's, that is one difference, actually, I think. If they win on Sunday, by the end of the week, the news will be about something else. But if it was the men, the news will be about England men winning the World Cup, you know. Um the level of coverage is obviously different, but I mean, I suppose we can't, we can't really criticize anyone. Cause if I was saying this the other day, someone said to me, you know, name, name 11 Liverpool players in the first team squad now, no problem. Name 11 women, uh, you know, 11 Liverpool players in the Liverpool women's squad now. I, I wouldn't be able to sadly, cause I just, I just haven't been, uh, been following it and it's not as much in your face, is it? Um, you don't sort of get it as much as you do with the men's game, but it's, it's definitely taken off. It's definitely improving. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it'll get to a point where we can afford to go and watch the women's game, but we can't afford to watch the men's game the way prices are going on. Um, and I think on that note with prices, um, Liverpool supposedly going to get loads more seats this season, but that's kind of been put to one side because the main stand, uh, sorry, the Anfield Road stand hasn't opened as, as we'd hoped for the start of the new season. We knew that anyway. Um, not that he would have put prices down. It's not like they're going to say, oh, we've had a load of new seats. Let's dilute the prices. They're still going to be the same, just that there's going to be more of them. But I don't know now. It sounds like there's, um, a bit of trouble because the, the builders that we've, uh, entrusted to do this for us have, um, announced that they're going to go into administration. I think there's some kind of legal thing where rather than going into administration just before it, you can say that you're going to go into administration. I think Will Coast did this a couple of weeks ago. And then I think it, I think they do that in case someone comes along and rescues them before it goes, it goes that far. Um, but they, this happening, worst case scenario, it just kind of puts me in mind of, um, I mean, in this city in Liverpool when the new hospital, the Royal Hospital, which was, which was up for being built, sort of, I can't remember, Labour was still in power when it was decided that was going to happen. And, it, and I think it's just about open in the last year. Um, I hadn't been for a while just to that bit of town and I saw, I had to go in the, in the hospital last week and I can see now they're demolishing the old one. But that one was held up for ages and ages and ages for all different kinds of reasons. Then the, the people building it went, went bust. Then they found out that they'd not done it very well. So they had to basically redo a load of it. A lot of it wasn't safe. Um, I just hope we're not going to have something similar with the uh, Anfield Road stand because we just need it open, don't we? Get back to normal and, and the new normal, if you like, the new big stand that we've got. Um, I hope we've not messed up and got some builders that are just basically going to leave us in the lurch for who knows how long. Yeah, it's it's worrying 
Um, but the only positive spin I could probably put on is, you know, we've been cleared by the city council to have the lower tier open yeah. um, for this weekend's game against Bournemouth. So, you know, away fans can still travel. There'll still be home fans housed in that area of the ground as well. Um, you'd imagine structurally the majority of that work is up and done. Um, you know, we've we seen videos early on in the um, summer window of like, you know, there was um, seats being put in. And mem- remember the, the story of that fella being sacked um, because he was taking a video from, from the top of the stand where the seats were being put in and the view yeah. um, from the back of the of the of the, the new Anfield Road extension. So you'd imagine it's, it's basically just interior um, that needs finishing off. You'd like to hope anyway. And, yeah. you know, they, they can sort of get someone else in to, to cover that. Um, but it's, it's not a good mark on, on this company. They've got um, work going on at Fulham and um, basically building a whole new stand at full length for the pitch, basically the equivalent of our main stand, but they're building a whole new stand for them. Um, and they've got some connection with building work at MK Dons, and I'm not sure what that entails, but um, it's it's not good um, because, yeah, we were expecting this, this new stand to be open and I'm sure, you know, the finance people were probably banking on, you know, this being the opening weekend of the home game, um, you know, full full capacity, you know, ticket prices have gone up around the stadium. Um, I think it's only a, a pound or two each ticket, um, but, you know, it all adds up and there is obviously more corporate facilities available in this new extension. So, you know, the money men will have been looking at that thinking, well, you know, we've, we've got this coming in. Um, and then there was an announcement a few weeks ago that it would be a process of a of a delay with a staggered opening. So certain sections of the the stand would have been open per game, but they were expecting it to be fully done by October. Now that leaves question marks over that. Um, you know, tickets have been sold um, for European games. My um, cup scheme tickets had to be picked last week and. My tickets for the European games are housed in the upper tier of the Anfield Road stand. Will I be having them tickets? I don't know. I get that there's question marks like that that need to be answered. Um, so it, it is a concern. And I think the, the club sent an email to me basically saying, because I've got a ticket for Bournemouth, um, the game will go ahead and you know it'll be as normal. But my ticket for the Bournemouth game is in the cop. So thankfully, that wouldn't affect me. But if you've got tickets in the Anfield Road end or you were, you know, you, I live locally, as we know, but if you're travelling from afar and, you know, these these concerns or you've got tickets for the game, one or two games down the line and you were hoping to, to come along, then, you know, it, it is rightfully, it's concerning. So it, it needs addressing and obviously the, the standards need finishing because, you know, it, it's it's lost money probably on all, on all parts, really, for, for fans and the club as well. Yeah, um, it's yeah. I mean, we we'll, we'll, I think when it's open, we look back and we won't we won't mind. You know, it's all gone, and it's not the first time um, seasons have been sort of we've we've had to wait for people to get into certain parts of the ground, or even as seasons delayed from from a home game point of view. So at least we're playing at home. I mean, that is that is one blessing for it because this could have gone bad in the way that we we would have had to wait weeks to get a home game and then to hear this news then would have been would have been frightening i've noticed um there's an updated bag policy at anfield which is a uh, the only reason i'm mentioning it is um it's that usual thing where the um you can only bring a small handheld bag which is about a5 size but you can bring as many LFC Superstore clear carrier bags as you like, only if they've only got Superstore purchases in. So you can't like, you know, go the, go the shop one week, get a bag, then come back the next week and bring you whatever you bring with you. Now, I mean, like you just said, being local, there's not a lot you bring to the match anyway. You don't want to, you know, you're not exactly bringing loads with you to the match nowadays. So it's not the end of the world, but I've often thought like, how, how do people deal with it? You were like traveling, you know, you've got, um, you, you stayed over the night before, for example, you've got, um, got to get out get home that night or you, you you've traveled straight to the game you've not been at time to get to your hotel yet or whatever but apparently there's a bag drop facility now five minutes away um on Hartnup street so five pound for up to hold all size bags and 
suitcases are very large bags that are a tenner, but all the money's going to the foundation, so the LFC foundation, so it's not not too bad. But yeah, I just I was I was thinking it's great that you can for security reasons you can't bring bags in, but as long as they're full of merch, it's not the end of the world, is it? You know, you cared, you you spent your money. It sounds very Ryanair, this, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I was looking at this funny you should mention because I'm going going on a little holiday in a couple of weeks, and um, it's easy, Jesse. We're flying with. And they, they've now changed their policy, so you're, you, you were literally allowed to take, you know, a, a backpack slash hold all size bag on which it would easier, but with Ryanair, you know, you basically got to pay for your shoes to go on the flight as well. Yeah. Um, and they've now changed their policy, so you, you know, you have to pay to take on a bag unless you're taking literally, you know, a, a sandwich bag on with you, um, which is free. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, uh, my other half works at Liverpool Airport. And I said, like, what happens if, like, you know, you've got shops in the airport, you know, like you've got your boots and the JD Sports and other other outlets there. So what happens if, like, you know, you went to JD Sports and you bought, you know, a big coat, a winter coat, or, you know, you bought a tracksuit and a pair of trainees? You know, you can't you can't check them into the hold because you're already in the, in the terminal. Like, oh, yeah, you just take them on with you. <laughs> I was like, so, so you know, they're okay with you taking on merchandise that you've bought within the terminal. But, you know, if you wanted to take on, you know, a, a carrier bag with your clothes in or something like that, you know, or a backpack or something, then, you know, that's got to go in a hole. It's just very contradicting. But, yeah, it, it, it just literally reminded me of that. But, you know, uh, yeah, as you say, as, as a local, um, you know, the only thing I take the match is, me, is myself and my phone and, you, know, you don't even need a wallet these days because you pay for everything on your phone. So as long as you've got your phone and and, and charged, then that's pretty much all you need. But yeah, you do see um, people who do travel for the game, um, you know, hoarding round bags from the club store, and you know, th- there's not necessarily a lot of room in these seats. No. Um, so yeah, it, it's a, it's a funny old policy they've got there. Yeah, centenary stand, like, you're looking to fit yourself in the seat. Like, you know, you've got your knees in the back of the person in front of you most of the time. But main stand, um, plenty of room. Um, if you're not that tall, you might not even be able to get your feet to touch the floor of the main stand. It's so much more roomy. Um, which actually surprised me. I'm surprised they didn't try and squeeze more seats in and make it so, like, you know, as cramped, if you like, as, as it is in, in other parts of the ground. But, um, Hey, if we're, when we're all close like that, we we do more singing, don't we? We're not, you can't relax quite as much when you're sort of, you know. Maybe, but then again, the main stand isn't as quiet as it used to be. A lot of noise in there. I don't know why, but I suppose it's it, no, you know, no parts that quiet now. Once you get a group of people who want to sing, they all start, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And as I say, the uh, I think this season they've also advanced the, the safe standing. Um, yeah. So the. Uh, Lower Anfield Road, I think, is now for the safe standing area um, because obviously away fans are housed there and most people who travel away um, to follow the clubs don't really stand. Um, it's yeah. standard like a, an unwritten rule. If you're going to go to an away game, you're going to stand for, for 90 minutes. Um, but also in the cop as well, they've they started at the back, the safe standing, and they've progressed that further down. So... Um, I think it was roughly down to around if you're coming from the back rows, which is roughly 73, 74 in the very middle of the cup, but for the wider sections, I think it's around about 68. It was down to around 55. Um, I think they've brought it down like another 10 or 15 rows as well. So so that is better because obviously people people do stand in there um, yeah. and making it safe is, is much better and Obviously, I've I've said before in the past that that rail, um, it's there for the safety of yourself, but it's also there for the safety of the person in front and the person behind you. Um, it does do a lot of benefits, and if we are going to persistently stand at games, which does aid an atmosphere, um, let's do it in the safest way possible. So I am glad that there is more safe stand available because the rows in front of the rails that were in last season. And I didn't have them. There was persistent standing. So if you can make it safe for people, then that is a good thing. Yeah, and I know. You, I mean, you know yourself. You go to the cops some games, and and you sort of you told to you told to sit down, sit down, sit down. Like all the way through the game, it just keeps happening. And then other games, um, 
nothing gets said and it's kind of i don't know it feels like it's gone less of a thing in recent years like they've kind of gone a bit more easy about it in recent years they're not sort of on you on your case quite so much about sitting down and um they're wasting the breath on a european night i think as well a lot of the time aren't they it just depends on the game but um yeah it it I think if you want to stand, you should be able to. Um, if you want to sit, yeah, you should know that you can sit. But um, doing it this way makes it so much easier for that to happen. And um, and and standing in in seats isn't the greatest thing either. I don't know um, how many went to the game in Basel a few years ago that we lost the Europa League final. Um, one of the stand I was in, the seats, the seat in front of you was maybe. I don't know, like six inches from, from, from above your feet or something like the top of the seat in front of you. It was hardly, it was like a curb sort of height, if anything. Nothing more than that. It wasn't very high. And the guy next to me just kept falling. Anytime we stood up because anything had happened, he just kept falling into the people in front of him. It must have happened about three or four times. And the look on the face of the fella he kept landing on, I wish I'd taken a photo of that. Um, it was so hilarious because, I mean, no one got hurt. Obviously, that's the main thing, but could have done. Um, it was funny, but obviously that was in a sort of jovial atmosphere where everyone was sort of excited and stuff like that. But just shows how easy it is for things to happen. I'm surprised, you know, that place can open like that in all honesty. But that's, that's a, that's a long time ago now. I'm not sure where the Europa League final is going to be this time. Um, we might Dublin. be in it. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, last game. In a very to- weird stand that's got about four rows at one end. Yeah. Cause they got the, uh, dart line at the back haven't they um i think it's because i i can't remember I, or maybe the dart line goes under it um i think it used to be called lansdowne road the stadium didn't it before it was rebuilt yeah i went there when we played the friendly against celtic um you know so there's like a, a an all around the an all around the stadium you'll never walk alone but obviously our bit was better um yeah it was only friendly but the atmosphere was great just for a friendly so i hope we do make it to the final and there'll be no chance of getting tickets for that will there I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN Make sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. No, not at all. Like, you know, as much as, much as you might have a few Irish friends, um, they probably got a ton of people on their side who are asking them for tickets. So, you know, there's there's probably a few people at AI um, with Irish connections. But, yeah, I don't think there's any chance. Um, I think the likes of Dave and Trevor probably be tapping up a few contacts to try and get tickets and they live on the aisle. Um, yeah. We've got to get there first. Um, you know, I was looking, I think, last night, there was, you know, continued qualifiers, which... I find mad that there's like rounds and rounds of qualifiers for these competitions just yeah. to to get into them. Um, but there, there is a few few decent names in that competition. You know, a few what you would re- refer to as household European um, names. And okay, the group stage, you know, we're, we're going to be top seeds due to our coefficients um, in the Europa League. But you know, there is there's teams within that competition who you think, you know, what well, further down the line in the in the knockout stages, they are, you know, former ties of what would have been, you know, glamour ties in 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 Champions League, or at least you know teams that are going to bring, you know, prestigious European support with them. So, 
it would be interesting to see how we approach the competition. Um, but obviously, the the final being in Dublin, there is that huge carrot there for the connection of of the city and the club um, to Ireland. That if we could get there, it would be it would be a sweet sort of victory if we got it. Just looking now at some of the names in in um, there's there's a third qualifying round, two legs of that, and then and there's playoffs as well. And um, like one one name that jumps out is Aberdeen because we've beaten them in the European Cup as it was back in the day. And I think that's why Alex Ferguson sort of, I don't know, Alex Ferguson always goes on about that match, how he learns a lot playing against us in that match. Then another team that's, um, I think that, yeah, the three they played, they went through yesterday, Olympiacos have gone through. So there's a team that, you know, that brings back memories for us, I'm sure, playing games against them. So yeah, um, uh, struggling to find as well. Others. Who's that? I in the in the qualifying Oh yeah. Um, at this section, um, there's the two prior teams, Slavia and Sparta, both in there. Um, Ajax, funny enough, played Ludogorets, who <laughs> not so long ago visited Anfield, yeah. uh, Europa League slash UEFA Cup. I think it might have been at that time. Um, so yeah, there's there's a couple of teams, and that, that's just you know standalone in the in the actual. Um, qualifying state to get into the competition, which I find mad that Ajax have got to get to that um, sort of process to get into it. Yeah. But then actually, you know, once you get into the 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 seedings of it, um, you know, the the seeded teams from the from the top clubs around you, obviously West Ham, Brighton, and those from England, there's Villarreal and Betis from from Spain, Atalanta and Roma from Italy. Um, you know, there's a few. You know, memories of, of Liverpool Roma ties as such. Um, Germany, I've got Freiburg and Leverkusen, another team that we've got recent memories of in, in terms of European football. Um, France, Toulouse, Rennes, and Marseille. Sport and Lisbon from Portugal. Um, so, you know, th- there's, there's teams out there who, you know, should they actually be drawn against us at any sort of point in the competition, you'd be. You'd be very excited to see them come to Anfield, and yeah, there's, there's lots to be excited about in that competition. And obviously, you've also got the the weird system that the the Champions League dropouts end up in there. But yeah. we'll, we'll see how it comes. I think the the first of September is the draw or something around that. Yeah, I just sort of thing that we can't play Roma, Villarreal, Bayer Leverkusen, or Atalanta, and possibly Ajax if they get through. So it must be down to. Um, where they'll be seeded because even that's the, the other bizarre thing even though like Ajax are about to qualify once they get in that's when their coefficient comes in isn't it and and they get higher up the rankings if you like yeah. at that point so um, but yeah we could get Toulouse we could get Rennes we could get Real Betis Marseille Sturm Graz is another name that, that brings back memories so yeah there's quite a few we could play um, but next up for us of course before we get that far is is a league game Um and we're playing a team who are actually above us in the league at the moment, but they're only above us on alphabetical order because they drew as well. Um, I don't really know much about them um, this early on in the season. I've not really looked into them, I must confess, but um, Bournemouth first visitors to Anfield. We should be winning that and we should be winning that well, but is that being arrogant to, to talk like that in this day and age or um, or not? I mean, I think when I say that we should be winning it because we should be putting everything into it we should be doing all our homework even though I haven't do all our homework and we should be out there and just just showing them what we're capable of when you think how good we can be um, but at the same time there's no such thing as an easy game anymore is there? There isn't um, but I think I was looking through our fixtures in between now and Christmas I don't think there's a more obvious game that you would say who and say that should be three points in the bag. Yeah. Um you know, home or away. Um because like you okay, you look at away games and like the likes of Luton. Um not gonna be an easy place to go. You know, a small, tight, tricky ground, new promoted team. We we played them I think in around about October time, but you just never know with these promoted teams. But Bournemouth at home, okay, you look back at last season, the 9 0 spanking, and yeah. maybe that scoreline got us all very excited and it soon fizzled out. But <laughs> it should be, you know, as straightforward a victory as could possibly be available, as a straightforward victory is labelled. Um, 
you know, we've got such attacking talent in our team. We saw that last weekend, you know, only for maybe half an hour or so. But the first game at home, three o'clock on a Saturday, we've said it several times. There's just something magic about a three o'clock Saturday kickoff. Um, as much as Sky and other TV companies would like to label the Super Sundays and the Monday Night Footballs, three o'clock on a Saturday's just got that bit of nostalgia about it. Yeah. First home game of the season, um, a couple of new faces to be seen. You know, Everton sort of, you know, is in the melting pot of it should just be a, a nice, comfortable victory for us. I hope it is. A clean sheet would be lovely as well. Um, you know, and, and, a, and a few goals. But yeah, I, I'm I'm very confident in the in the game. Um, whenever this podcast is actually released, it might be played, it might not be played, but hopefully you know it, it's a it's a good a victory and it gets our season rolling because okay last week wasn't the full result that we wanted in terms of three points but you know you, you can't really get much better than, than starting with a home victory in your first game no according to some start this is um i don't even know what this what the source of this is but win probability um liverpool 79 percent bournemouth eight percent 13 percent the draw um it's, it's, and that's the thing. It's that kind of game. When you say there's no such thing as an easy team, there's plenty of teams who who you would be embarrassed to be beaten by, and that's that's with all the, you know. Given all due respect to Bournemouth, um, that would be an embarrassing game if we didn't win that. You know, as you say, in front of the home fans, first home game of the season. We have spent money this summer, even though we know we need to spend more. Um, I don't think though. I don't think the new lad will be there. The Endo as opposed to Hendo, now that we've got rid of Hendo, someone pointed that one out to me, I'd not noticed. But Endo, I doubt Hendo be playing. Hendo with silent H, isn't it? Yeah, like Endo <laughs> the way most people say Hendo. Um, he's not He's not likely to be playing. I don't know whether he's allowed to or, or what, but I just don't expect to see him playing so soon after joining. So, um, line-up wise, I mean, I do we go with what we went with against Chelsea or is it... Is, was there enough done sort of wrong, if you like, in that game for a couple of others to come and knock on the door and say, give me a start? I mean, is it is it a chance for Curtis to maybe show, remind us all what he can do? Because he only got a bit of a, he only got quite a short appearance last weekend. Yeah, I think that was based to, he had a knock, didn't he? Because right. if I remember rightly, the Darmstadt game, which was on the Monday um, before that, he was questionable. Um, I think he did come on for a little bit, but he had an injury or a knock coming into it. Um, and again, I think it was the situation going into last weekend that it just, he'd, he weren't worth risking. And obviously, he'd come back late from, from European um, Championship duty with England. So, would Curtis go into midfield? For me, if he's fit, yes, because uh, I don't think Gapo worked there. And that would then make the question mark, does Gapo go forward? Um, because Jota, for me, didn't do enough um, on, on the game last weekend. I kind of think Jota's an enigma in terms of sometimes you watch him from the start in the game and he can be lost. But when he comes off the bench, he can have such an impact. I kind of get to feel like he, he sits on the bench and he's seeing the game and where the gaps are, where the opportunities yeah. are. And then when he gets released to come on, you know, he's obviously he's fresher legs, but he's also a fresher mind. He can see things that maybe in the hustle and bustle of a game, when you start it, you don't see these sort of spaces and opportunities presenting themselves. Um, and he did get a bit of a bang on the knee. I, I don't think Klopp, or not that I've seen, made any sort of reference to to injuries in, in the press conference today. I, I might have just missed that, but I'm sure um, we'll find out more when the team sheets are released. But I, I would like to see Curtis in midfield. I'd also like to see a change up top. Now, whether that's Gakpo moving forward or whether Darwin Nunes comes in, because I think the, these games at home, you know, we should have the majority of the ball. We, we've now got players in Alexis and Sabozlai who are more creative than what we've previously had. So the chances for, for Darwin should be, you know, created on a more regular basis. And if he is going to play down the middle in a more conventional number nine role, you'd like to think, you know, that the higher the percentage of chances coming his way, that the higher percentage of chances of goals for him. Um, and it's an opportunity that presents itself for him to, 
to get off the mark. So I'd like to see, you know, a couple of changes, but yeah, I'd imagine whatever team we do field, we should have more than enough on the day to, to see a positive result in our way. Yeah, I think in a way you'd almost want the team that we put out last week to be the team that, that played this week because that was a more kind of a, a load of attacking plays, if you like, you know, less less mind, less thinking about being defensive, but we couldn't put a more, probably couldn't put a more defensive team out than what we did. Even, you know, that that's where we were last week. And you don't want to go more defensive this week, but then again, you know, you've got players who you might class as, um, you know, it's like the first line of attack, isn't it? You, the defence, as soon as you're winning the ball back and that. So, you know, it's important to have the right balance. Apparently Klopp said that Stefan... Uh, well, for both Stefan and Thiago, they're really close, but not there yet. So they're not likely to play tomorrow. Um, just going to come a little bit too soon, but at least, at least they're getting close to it now. And it'd be good to know that we get to a stage soon where Klopp's got that dilemma to, where he, he's spoiled for choice. It feels like he is a little bit with his front men. He's got quite a few to choose from there, but, um, to make him spoiled for choice though, we want the performances out of them. We want them to react to whatever they're given. If they're given a, a start, we want them to play well from the off. If, they, if they're given a place off the bench, we want them to play well from the second they come on. We want it to be a situation where Klopp has got, you know, real dilemmas over who to play and really starts to use players for what they're best at and in the, in the games where we need them at the best as well. So it'd be interesting. Um, no sign whatsoever in any of the transfer news I've seen of us getting a defender. I mean, I don't think we're going to get one, are we, at this rate? Klopp says there's still stuff to be done. No one's going to leave, but I don't know. I just don't feel like there's a defender coming. I don't know. I'd like one um, because I think we were far too open defensively, especially down Andy Robertson's side. And yeah. whether that's Andy Robertson being instructed to continue his natural game, whether that's Andy Robertson taking it upon himself to continue his natural game. But if we're going to play Trent in the midfield position, I think we've said before, it's it's leaving the back door far too wide open. Um, and we do need potentially someone a bit more solid defensively in there. And that's not knocking Andy Robertson as a player, but defensively he's not 100% solid um, because he's so you know, forward thinking. Whether we'll get one, I don't know. <laughs> I suppose at any time in the last week, we've probably thought, will we actually get any player? Um, and we've we've pulled out the bag. So, you know, there's hope there. There is links to a couple of defenders. Um, the concerning thing is, you know, no one's going. Um, and, and young Nat Phillips, you know, at 25 years of age, is still sat there, you know, on the doorstep waiting to go with his bags packed. Yeah. And I think he's been going to Leeds for the past five, six weeks and still hasn't got there. So, you know, whether he's got issues with trains being on strike or something like that, I don't know. But that lad needs to go for his own sake, <laughs> um, you know, and get, get his football career on the go, you know, at the, the mid-20s stage. But I would hope that that isn't the excuse that, you know, there's, there's no one out there because there is. There's, there's several players out there. There's, you know, there's there's lots of players. That we've just been proven that nobody knew who... Wataru Endo Endo sorry was 48 hours ago and now people are waxing Liverpool that he could be the saviour for our season in midfield so you know the proof is in in the pudding that is players out there for us to get um, in multiple positions so I'd like to hope that we bring in a couple more whether we will or not will remain to be seen I would love us to just do what we have just done and you know drop a bombshell in the middle of next week that you know player X is coming from whatever on a flight and the flight is currently half an hour away from London John Lennon Airport and you know a day or so later he, there he is in the red chair so it would be be lovely to see that and as we, you said earlier on the, the money if it if it was genuine that Caicedo bid you know the money's there to be spent um, I think Klopp himself said today you know it's 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 something along the lines that we can't do what other clubs are doing in terms of lashing money about, but if if the players there, I think we're we're actively looking um, and and we're busy. So if something comes up, then then we'll strike. So you'd like to think that the opportunity could present itself, whether it, it's someone who's on the radar or whether it's someone who's not of you know the the social media scouts. Then we we do do the business that we need because 
the opportunities there for trophies this season, like they always are. But I think we we need to get ourselves back on our feet after what we had last year in terms of performances and trophies. So fingers crossed that we do do something. And two weeks is is a long time in football, as we've said before. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I do like the way that we're still good at. Um getting players signed that nobody really knew about you know like things aren't as much as we have all these sagas going on for months and months and months Jude Bellingham is an example um that may may turn out to be nothing and you know as as we've seen even this summer um there's this this thing where just out of nowhere we can just suddenly announce a player or just suddenly be be in for a player who like you say 48 hours later He's actually signing for us, wearing that red shirt or holding it up for the camera, already picked his number. That's, that's what I do like about us that we can still kind of do our business under the radar. It's just, I don't know. It's just the frustration awaiting, isn't it? Um, a little bit early on as well, we mentioned about, um, taking your bags into Anfield and that. And one thing I, I was going to say was, um, the other thing you, you've always carried down the years or I always have done is you always end up buying a program. Um, and there was a big uproar at one point because the club, um, sort of tried to make the LFC magazine and the match day program the same. This great big A4 thing, which no one could shove in the back pocket anymore. Um, you know, people traveling light to the game, they, they can't go around with a big A4, uh, glossy magazine. So it, I think the year later, it's gone back to its normal size. But as much as buying the match program is kind of part of tradition for a lot of people, um, buying a fanzine as well, I would just say quick shout out. If you're at the game, have a look out for the red all over the land sellers. They'll usually you find them around the pitch, eh, around the pitch, around the ground. Um, each corner of the cop kind of thing, you'll find them selling a fancy. And I think it's the last one and it's only two quid and it's been two quid forever, I think, for absolutely years. And it's just another view of how things are at Anfield, you know, for fans views, literally. And in a, in a lot of ways, it's kind of how sites like this came along, podcasts like this kind of came along that people were going out the way to let the fans have their say rather than just whatever the club want to put out or whatever the papers want to say you know because what the fans think is always something different it's different to what the club want to put out as an official line it's different to what the the papers want to say when they're trying to stir up trouble and sell things you know fanzines and 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 fan podcasts and fan media is literally just the fans giving their opinions and whether we all agree or not it's still good to read and you know that in most cases people who are saying stuff about us from a fan point of view are saying it because they love the club as much as we do and even if we disagree we, we understand why they're getting passionate so just wanted to do a quick shout out for that red all over the land and if you can't get it out of the game if you're not out of the game or you just don't see them or you've not got cash um it's available online too so have a look and support them if you can but that's it for us for this week thanks jay thanks to you for listening we'll be back hopefully this time next week maybe looking ahead to the newcastle game maybe looking back at a bournemouth game with loads of goals maybe even talking about a new signing who knows whatever it is we'll talk about it and we hope you're here to listen again thanks again as always but that is it we will see you soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show the best way to get in touch is over on our free discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.